just, Lord. We sing hallelujah. Our hearts cry hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. You are worthy to be praised. You are a holy God. You are so far above anything that we can even wrap our minds around. Lord, and we, and we long to be with you. We long to be in your presence. Thank you for being a God who loved us so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to die in our place, and that whoever believes will have eternal life. So we cling to that promise, God. Thank you for being a good father. Help us to be attuned to you, Spirit, be attuned to your word this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And so Asherah poles, and Asherah was the goddess of fertility. And so the reason why Ahab instituted Asherah poles and Baal worship is because Jezebel told him to, guarantee it. And he was afraid of Jezebel. And if we knew Jezebel, we would be afraid of her too. Be real careful with the Jezebels in our world. There's lots of them. You see them because they got lots of makeup on. They don't take no for an answer. They got it all together. That's Jezebel. That's what the Bible says. So you need to deal with that. It doesn't say about the makeup. That's my own part of that. But I see her wearing lots of makeup, lots of perfume, lots of jewelry. Gaudy amounts. Gaudy, not gaudy. Gaudy amounts of jewelry. Don't you see it? I see it. And... He was about his economy. That's what mattered to him. He believed that if he was going to be a successful king, he would have this strong economy that the, that the rain would produce. And then Elijah shows up. God sent Elijah as a direct response to the idolatry of Ahab and Jezebel. And we saw that Elijah comes and the first attack of God on Ahab and Jezebel was the fact that it wouldn't rain until the Lord said to. It just wasn't going to rain. It's hidden right at the very place that their idolatry was focused on. It would hit right there. And the Lord sent him to live by the brook Kareth for three or for a period of time in that three year, half years it didn't rain. And he was there and the Lord fed him by the brook, water from the brook, and by the raven that would bring him meat and bread in the morning and meat and bread in the evening. And so the, you might try the Elijah diet, a hamburger in the morning and a hamburger in the evening. Might, might be good. Then the word of the Lord came to him, arise, leave there. So the brook dries up and the Lord says, get away from there. And so he does. And the Lord says, I want you to go to Zarephath. And in Zarephath, you're going to meet a widow lady that's going to take care of you. And he met her at the city gate. And at the city gate was where all the business transactions took place. Can't imagine all the wealthy people right there. All the people that could probably care for him better than the widow lady. She was gathering some sticks to cook the last amount of flour and oil that she had. And then... She was prepared that after she cooked that last loaf of bread that her and her son would die because that's all the food they had. They didn't have any money. They had no resources. That was it. And 
the Lord sent Elijah to her to be fed by her. Very interesting, isn't it? That isn't how the Lord works. He often uses the least likely to help people. He's always doing that. I mean, over and over and over, God chooses the least likely people and the least likely set of circumstances to show himself, to help people. And that keeps on happening, keeps on happening in our world today. Very, very, it fascinates me how God works, and, and, and his methods are beyond me most of the time. And so he lives with her, and the truth is that, that wheat or that, that flour never dries up, and the oil never is spent. The flour is not spent, and the jug of oil never got empty. And it doesn't say how many days, but it says for many, many, many days they had food to eat. And then we come to verse 17. Check this out. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. So the boy gets sick. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. He died. That's what it says. And she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, Give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity upon the widow in whom I sojourn by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this child's life Come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth. Boy, there's a lot to think about here in this event, isn't there? Some things that I've thought about this week, some things that I, I chew on a lot, things I ask God a lot about, things that I don't understand, but I, I still wonder. One of the things that I wonder about, if God heals sometimes, why doesn't he heal all the time? I mean, wouldn't it be really special if God healed all the time? I mean, if God heals sometimes, so he has the power to heal, why didn't he heal all the time? Wouldn't more people believe? Probably not, because he doesn't heal all the time. Wouldn't more people love God? If he healed all the time, obviously not. 
Because we know from Exodus 20 that we've read that God is jealous for a love relationship with us. And if there would be more love for God, if he healed all the time, he would do that. But obviously, he knows that we have a problem. And one of the problems that we have is this, is that we tend to worship the miracle rather than the miracle worker. We tend to worship the provision rather than the provider. So we tend to worship the good things God has given us rather than the giver of all good things, which is God. Do you know that every good thing can become an idol? Every good thing that God has given us is an idol today for some people. Money, idol. Food, idol. Experiences, idol. Power, idol. Sex, idol. Education, idol. I mean, all the problems of this world is based on the fact that God has given us all these good things and man turns it around and makes it decadent, makes it horrific, makes it a problem, makes it a trauma for people, idolatry. And so God knows. Obviously, God knows because we know based on what he does that if he healed all the time, it would not be conducive with what he wants to happen. Man would not be better if he healed all the time. Tony Evans says this, and I, I think about this a lot. I wish there was a third thing, but he says there are two things that we know for sure about God. Everything that happens in the universe is either caused or allowed by God, and there's no third thing. Everything that happens in the universe, the hurricane in Florida, either caused or allowed by God because he's God. It has to be that way. There's not a third thing. Illness, either caused or allowed by God, not another reason. People problems, war, people problems, issues, struggles, trials, you know, earthquakes and volcanoes and disease and pestilence, either caused by God or allowed by God. And it's really important that we understand that. It's really important that, that we have that understanding of his sovereignty to move forward in life and experience his fullness in us. And I think it's important in these two things, in this story here, to realize that if God heals sometimes, why didn't he heal all the time? Because he healed here. Why not over and over and over? And that regardless of how you want to look at this story, you, you want to say the boy died because of malnutrition. The boy died because of some disease, smallpox or whatever it might be in that day. That, that there was a pestilence. There was something that caused him to become ill and he died. But the truth of the matter is either God caused this to happen or allowed it to happen. And that should always be a struggle with his sovereignty in our lives. Something else that I think about a lot, and I think we all should think about a lot, and I'm sure we all do, there are many, 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 many mysteries of God. There are things about God that we won't understand, we don't understand, and, and I don't know that we'll ever understand completely here on earth. 
We're just never going to get it. And it is a real mistake for us to labor to understand the mysteries of God. Fact is, I think if you're ever around someone that says they know why this happened and they understand the mysteries of God, and if you just listen to their point of view, you'll understand all things. Be careful of that person. How in the world can they understand the mysteries of God if God has not revealed his mysteries? And we have to understand that there are mysteries of God that we have got to be aware of and understand and recognize this is a mystery of God. This, it's a mystery of God in this story. It's a mystery of God with the hurricane that just happened. It's a mystery of God with all that's going on in our world. It's a mystery. You say, well, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add up. It doesn't justify God. Well, it's a mystery of God, but he's still sovereign. And when it comes to mysteries, it is healthy, not unhealthy. It is healthy. The world fights against this healthy view, but it is healthy for us to have this mindset. I don't know, but I believe. I don't know, but I believe. Why the hurricane? I don't know, but I believe. Why did this boy get sick? I don't know, but I believe. Why have many of our loved ones gotten sick and passed away? I don't know, but I believe. I believe that God was at work. I believe that God had purpose. I believe that God made things available that otherwise would not have been available to discovery of faith because of the tragedy, because of what took place. I don't know, but I believe. It's a healthy view to have that. Think about that a little bit today, tomorrow, next, next day. I don't know, but I believe, and I'm going to move forward. It is unhealthy to say, I don't know, so I'm not going to move forward. I don't know, so I'm going to be idle. It is healthy to say, I really don't know, but I'm going to move forward in faith, trusting, believing, honoring, worshiping God, and being obedient to him because he's God. So let's look at this story. First of all, the widow mom is just like me. Maybe the widow mom is just like you. She had been enjoying the blessings of God with the, the, the flour and the oil. Day after day, food, day after day, food. Day after day. Remember, she was about to die. She had conceded that life it was going to be over. She's going to starve to death. And, and she's been kept these many, many days. And now her son gets ill. And I'm sure that there's all kinds of emotions and all kinds of reaction that she's struggling with. But the blessing of God has somehow or another disappeared. And now she begins to cast blame. I do that. Do you do that? Are you like all the Israelites? in that you forget easily. You forget from when the blessings have come from. You forget what God did yesterday in your life, and now another problem comes, and when that problem comes, you get all worked up and you blame God for it. You blame the situation. You blame people. Well, that's exactly what this widow lady does. She blamed Elijah for being there, and she, she blamed her own sin for the death of her son. It says in verse 17, after this, the son of the woman 
the mistress of the house became ill, and his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. By the way, critical scholars of this passage say that he wasn't dead, just ill. No miracle, in other words, or this event never happened. I'm not a critical person. I'm not a critical scholar by any means. I'm not a positive scholar by any means. But when I look at this scripture, my first response is, look what God did rather than this couldn't have happened. I think that's how we ought to look at it. I don't know, but I believe. I don't know how this worked out, but I believe. I don't know why the boy got sick, but I believe. And, and she immediately begins to blame. And she said in verse 18 to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. There you have it. She was an ordinary, everyday lady, just like me, just like you, just like Elijah. As the book of James tells us very clearly, Elijah was a man just like us, and he prayed, and it didn't rain. So we're not dealing with super spiritual people here. We're not dealing with any level of deity here. We're dealing with ordinary, everyday people, the woman, the son, and Elijah. Nothing significant other than hearing God, being obedient, and being faithful to him, which is part of the miracle. But blame, man, how we blame, don't we? We got to find blame. If you're not careful, your first response to why your life is like it is or why circumstances turn upside down or while trials and tribulations happen is, I must have done something wrong. It is my sin God is judging. And nothing of, the, of, the, of that is here in this story. God doesn't say it's because of your sin, Elijah. He doesn't say because of the lady's sin, the boy died. Doesn't even say because of the boy's sin, the boy dies. He died. Remember, God either causes all things to happen or allows all things to happen. So that's what we need to understand about the story. Don't know which it is. I don't know, but I believe. I don't know, but I believe. I, I wonder if God heals sometimes, why he doesn't heal all the time. I wonder about that. I don't know, but I believe is the healthy response. And then we see Elijah. What does he do? Well, we pick the story up in verse 19. Elijah doesn't answer the lady's question. Now, I don't know if he didn't know the answer to it. I didn't know if he couldn't be bothered with the answer. I don't know if he was preoccupied with the death of the boy. I don't know the answer to that. But he doesn't deal with her question of, of now, who's at fault here? You for being in my house or my sin? Which is, which is you know, he, he doesn't deal with the blame of that. Elijah didn't make a show of this. Elijah didn't draw a big crowd in and, and, and say, look what I'm about to do. Look how, if, matter of fact, you give money, you give a lot of money tonight, you'll be blown away with what I'm about to do. 
You heard that from time to time in these days. He didn't make a show of it. He didn't call the neighbors over. He didn't even ask her to come. He took the boy all by himself up to his lodging spot with just him and the boy. He didn't make a show of this situation. And Elijah prayed for that boy. He prayed honestly. He prayed fervently. He prayed personally for that boy. Let's see how that happened. He says in 19, and he said to her, give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, personal, have you brought calamity upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son, honesty? He prayed, honestly. Did you do this, God? Why did you do this? This is going on. He cries out to the Lord. He says, Lord, why in the world did you let this happen? Did you, have you brought calamity upon the widow with whom I sojourn? So I believe that Elijah understood that God either causes all things in the universe or he allows all things in the universe. And he's dealing with the one who either causes or allows. And he's moving forward with that. He goes, I don't know, but I believe. That's Elijah's foundation for this. I don't know, but I believe. It's a good thing. It's healthy to say, I don't know, but I believe. Your loved one is sick. I don't know, but I believe. The money dries up. The water runs out. Whatever it might be. I don't know, but I believe. And that's how he's moving forward. It says, he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity upon even the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? And so it's an honest prayer. It's a fervent prayer. He cried out to the Lord. Verse 21 says, then he stretched himself upon the child three times. Why three times? Was it three days in the tomb is why. Three be in the name of God, Father, Son, and Spirit, I don't know, but I believe. Was there anything special in the three times? I don't know, but I believe. I mean, not really important to the story, perhaps. That's just what he did. He stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, Oh, Lord, my God, personal, personal. He's pouring out his heart honestly, personally to God. He's got a relationship with God. And that is, that is causing him to do it this way. And he says, let this child's life come into him again. He petitioned God. He asked God specifically for the answer to what they were dealing with. We need to follow Elijah's plan when our loved ones are dying, sick, or even died. I thought this week, I've been in the room with people who died. I hate to tell you this, but not once have I prayed that they come back to life. Don't know why I hadn't done it. Maybe perhaps because of the people there, but maybe I don't want to put the people in that trauma of praying for the person to come back to life and then the emotional turmoil that that might stir in there. But I've determined just by this scripture, the next time, I'm in that situation, I'm going to quietly pray for the Lord to raise that person back to life. 
Not make a show of it. Do it like Elijah. Don't make an issue of it. Not going to draw attention to myself. Have I lost my mind? Maybe. Maybe, but I don't know, but I believe. Do I believe that God can raise the dead? Yes, I do. Why not pray? Something to think about. Something to think about. And in verse 22, the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. Now, there's one thing in this story that I know for sure. Elijah didn't say, look what I did. Elijah didn't say, come tonight for a healing meeting and I'm going to show you what I can do. He didn't do that, did he? There is no hint, there is no inkling in this story that Elijah presented that he had something to do with that miracle. He had nothing to do with that miracle. Only God did. God healed this boy. Elijah prayed, God healed this boy. Elijah carried the boy up to his room, but God healed this boy. Elijah cried out to God fervently, personally, specifically, but God healed him. Elijah, for reasons only Elijah might know, and maybe you know, but I don't know, that he laid, his, he laid across the kid three times. But God healed this boy, and God still heals today. Verse 24, And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. Why? Because she saw it. Why? Because she's, her belief has been deepened. Her belief has been strengthened because she saw the miracle of God. Sometimes belief happens because of signs and wonders. This is a sign and wonder. This is a healing from the dead. Sometimes belief happens because of signs and wonders. There are signs and wonders happening across our world. Signs and wonders. There's an interesting thing happening today, right here in the 2022s, of people of Islamic faith, Muslims, coming to Christ. Large numbers of Muslims are coming to Christ. It's an unusual thing that's going on today. Let me tell you what's going on. They are, they are having dreams. And the dreams typically pinpoint a person. And then that next day or the day after the dream, they see that person. They see that person. Obviously, he said they've never met that person. They've never seen this person before. They saw that person a dream. And, and man, they're drawn to that person. And the person knows they've seen the dream because God has done, spoke to them, has been doing this in their life and prepared them for this. And they walk up to them and says, ah, you saw a dream, did you? Yes. Well, let's, let's visit about it. And they present Christ to them and they're saved. They convert, happening all across the world. There's a man 
that was a Muslim, that was converted to Jesus, became a believer in Christ, and it was revealed to him in a dream, and he came to Christ. And, and when it's time for the pilgrimage to Mecca to walk around the Kaaba, that, that black stone that's out there in, in Mecca, he goes. He gets him a hotel room. He, he signs in. He gets it all done, and he goes, and he does the seven-trip walk every single day as long as it's going on. And he says every single time he gets out there and begins to walk around, someone will spot him, and they will just be drawn with, with he can just see on their face, man, they, what's going on here? Who is this man? I saw him in my dream last night. And he will very carefully caution them. Got to say, not now. Be cool. Be cool now. And so they'll do their walk around seven times, do their prayer and face the box and do all the things they do. And then that person will be drawn to him and he'll just start to walk away. And he'll very quietly reach in his pocket, pull out a little card and says, why don't you meet me tonight? in this room, in this hotel, be very discreet because this is against the law. He'll, have, he'll be arrested, murdered, no telling what's going to happen to him. And the people will show up and they're just, man, what's going on here? I, I, I saw you in a dream last night and I'm out there walking around and I saw you. And he said, the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, and you are here so I can present to you the story of Jesus. And they're born again. And then he says, now, it's illegal for me to do this. Please be discreet. Enjoy your eternal life. Enjoy your time. Get involved in the Bible. Get involved in a church somewhere and live for Christ. And they do. That's a sign and wonder. It's happening Today, all around us, it's taking place. Well, this sign and wonder causes things to happen. Testimony always happens. When there's a sign and wonder, when faith comes, Elijah prayed, well, testimony happened. I know that you're a man of God now. There was a testimony. You know she wasn't quiet about this healing around her little village. You know that in, Zer in Zarephath, she just said, I want you to know Elijah's a man of God because of what just took place. Lessons were learned. Oh my, I'm not going to blame again. Oh my, I'm going to believe even when I don't know. I don't know, but from now on, I'm going to believe because I learned that I didn't know why my son died, but now because of what took place, I believe. Now, that took place here. Events, take, events like this causes good things to happen. Lessons are learned. People are saved. People are helped. And belief happens. So if God sometimes heals, why didn't he heal all the time? If everything that happens in the universe is either caused or allowed by God, why don't we move forward with the idea 
of I don't know, but I believe, I believe. Why are there no signs and wonders here? Why are there no signs and wonders here? Why do we not see miracles happen if God causes miracles to happen sometimes? Why not all the time? Well, let me share something with you. Here in this Western world, signs and wonders are happening. Signs and wonders are happening. The Bible tells us that the three hardest people to reach are the wealthy, the wise, the educated, and the moral. Hard to reach these people. Jesus said it. Paul said it. They're hard to reach these people. Now, no names. In this room are three of the hardest reached people in the world. In this room. In this room every Sunday. There are some really smart people here. And if you're thinking you're it, you're probably not. But there are some really smart people here. There are educated people here. We have doctors, engineers, mathematicians. We have people in this room that sometimes have a conversation with me, and I'm just kind because I'm a kind person. And I'll stand there and go, hmm, I have no idea what they just said. I'm not. I am educated to a point, but I'm sure not bright, not brilliant. I'm the country preacher that came from the country to harass. How in the world do they believe if it's so hard for a smart person to believe? How unbelievably remarkable it is that the person I'm thinking about right now believes. The person I'm thinking about right here believes. The person I'm thinking about right here believes. Because I know that that person there, here, there, all four of those people are really, really smart. I know it by the job they've had, by the education they've had. And I'm here to tell you, they believe. I know they believe. I hear it. I see it. It's their heart. They believe. That's a sign and wonder. How in the world do they believe if, if the Bible tells us that it's so hard for a real smart person to believe? How does that lady believe? How does that man believe? And you know what else we have every single study? Not just not educated. We have some wealthy people here. Now, by comparison to the world, lots of wealthy people here. Most of us are wealthy. All of us are wealthy. I mean, we've got clean drinking water. We've got some food we can get to. And, and probably most of us has got some kind of roof overhead, wealthy, wealthy, wealthy. But even in relationship to our neighborhood here, we, we got some wealthy people that go to church here. Just do. And they believe. They believe. I, I sometimes think about someone, I wonder, I wonder how much money they got in their, in their banking account. I think about it. I'm normal, right? What are they doing? I wonder how much money they've lost in the stock market in the last two or three years. I think about that. I look at my retirement fund. I go, oh. And they believe. Isn't that remarkable? Jesus said it's hard for a wealthy person to believe. And here they are. 
and they never have a crisis of money. And they believe, I mean, they believe. They believe with all the heart. I've seen them praise the Lord. I've seen them worship with all the heart. I've seen them go serve and do things for Jesus that they wouldn't ever do for a thousand bucks. They would never do for 10 grand. I mean, I've seen them get their hands dirty. I've seen them clean things and do things and experience things and be hot all day long and, and, and use their time away from the economy to go and do ministry of some form or fashion. I've seen it. Man, they believe. That's a miracle. That's a sign and wonder. That's a sign of wonder. And then moral people. I'm thinking about a person right here, a young lady in this deal, sitting in this, I'm trying not to point a finger, but that lady right there, I'm telling you, she not only has never been convicted of a felony, she's never even been indicted for a felony. (laughs) She is always up, always nice, always kind. I've been on a couple real long trips with her, and I've seen her in all kinds of situations. I've, I've known her for 20-something years, 25 years, I guess now. And, man, she's good. Now, it would make sense that she would trust in her goodness because she's so good. I think she's good. I would, I would put her up as one of the most moral people I've ever met. Never been indicted, never been convicted of a criminal activity, never been in a felony, no felonies. That's pretty amazing. And, and, and there's a moral person in this section. There's several, not just we said, well, you didn't point me. This section, that section, that section. And the truth is, if you believe that Jesus is the Lord and believe that he's the Christ, Believe that he died on the cross to pay the price of your sin. A sign and wonder happened for you to believe. And so, in a symbolic way, I guess that's the word, may not even fit, Elijah laid on you and prayed, and you rose from the grave. You were spiritually dead, and you heard the good news, and you rose from the spiritually dead, and you're alive in Christ. That's a spiritual miracle. That's a sign and wonder. So when someone says, why in the world don't signs and wonders happen here in our world? I go, they do. They happen all the time. And I can just go through, and, and I know right now I could catch you all. I can say that person, that person, that person, that person, that person, that person, that person is an absolute clear-cut sign that God still does miracles because you believe, and that is only done by the work of our Lord. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? 
You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, give me your son. Should have talked about that. Give me your son. I don't know, but I believe. Give me your son. I don't know, but I believe. Your son is dead. I don't know why he's dead, but give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, Oh, Lord, my God, have you brought calamity upon the widow with whom I sojourn, honest before God, by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, Oh, Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth. Today, the Holy Spirit may be speaking to your heart and he's saying, Believe. Lay aside all your I don't knows and believe. There are many things you're not going to understand, believe. There are things that you're never going to have figured out, believe. Will you submit to the Lord today for salvation, for lordship perhaps, discipleship, salvation and lordship, for a deepening of faith today? Just to say that I've been idle because of many things I don't know. Well, today you've heard the Holy Spirit speak to you and the, being idle is going to be moved away and you're going to move forward in faith because I don't know, but I believe is healthy. What decision is the Holy Spirit working today in you? Let it happen. Move out of the way and let the Lord do a miracle in you. Let the Lord do a miracle in you. I'll be around the rest of the day. Many will be around. If you need to talk to us about the decision you made today, please, please come. Talk with us. You say, I need to talk. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. We'll do it. Heavenly Father, may your will be done. May we see your spirit work. Lord, we're so thankful for this story that we can learn so much from. Help us, Lord, to, to realize the healthy of I don't know, but I believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, come forward, please.